Chris, question for you. Okay. Have you ever been to Katz's Deli in New York City? No, I have not. So, you know, it's like famous Jewish deli, Wait. like massive sandwiches. What neighborhood is it in? Uh, I think it's like maybe... Mm, I was staying in Soho, um, and like kind of on the verge of like the Soho and the Bowery. So it's nearish there. We walked there. Okay. It's a little bit of a walk, but not too far. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know the name. I'm familiar with it, but I don't think I've actually been there. But did you, did you go? So yeah. So I was in New York recently uh, with some friends, went to Katz's. I'd never been there before. It was like, first of all, it was packed to the gills. Like I imagine like a um, factory farm, like with chicken stuffed in like, cages that's how it felt inside and there's like all these there's like all these different rows where you just like choose one to wait in line to get your sandwich there's like 10 different rows and like the place was just absolutely packed um which it was the, probably the most packed place i've been in since like the pandemic Oof. really um but like they make you know uh pastrami sandwiches and corned beef it's like these giant rubens and stuff sandwich was awesome I, uh, the, the that meat sounds was delicious. amazing that sounds delicious yeah yeah so so after we ate i went to the bathroom uh-oh and in the stall, I heard someone just vomiting their <laughs> brains out. And I was oh, like, no. poor, poor person, poor guy. I mean, you know, who knows what's going on? That sounds awful. Sounds like Open he, the st- he just watched Milkmaids. <laughs> Maybe so. Stall opens up. And like, this was honestly, it was going on for a minute. Oh, poor guy. Stall opens up. It's one of the sandwich workers. Oh, no walks out of this the bathroom goes right back up to the sandwich counter opens up a new line and people queue up to start ordering sandwiches oh my god he was probably hung over i hope so because otherwise a whole a lot of line of sick. people got something absolutely <laughs> terrible we were so like felt so lucky that we had i mean did he wash his hands sandwiches. yeah i i I had left okay. the bathroom like right before he came out, so I didn't see for sure, oh, but it's no. possible he didn't. It was, he wasn't wearing a mask, though. So This is a good Yelp review. I mean, the food was delicious. I'm not trying to throw shade. This poor guy just had a rough day and needed to stay on the clock. So have you ever been? I feel for him. Have you ever done that at work Like when you're probably younger? Um, just like... <laughs> Go to work. You have a fun night. Went a little too more too rowdy, and then you wake up in the morning. You're just like not feeling good, but you got to go to work. And you go to work, and you're just like not feeling your best. And maybe you blow a few chunks in the morning. I've never blown chunks in the morning. I've definitely not <laughs> felt good. This is gross. I don't know. People are like, "What are you guys talking about? This is weird." Yeah, me neither. Of course not. Ever. <laughs> I feel like you can relate. I feel like you can. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's do our show. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FXA show, American Horror Story, and its sister show, American Horror Stories, the anthology series. I am your host, Tyler Moss. We're here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Sorry we're a little late this time. Had, a little, had some things going on in, in our lives, but we are here. Tyler, how you doing? I'm feeling pretty good. You know, we're filming, uh, we're filming, recording. In the evening, which means I do have an actual alcoholic beverage tonight. Me too. Which is, uh, you know, getting getting settled. I think maybe we're getting a little prepared for American Horror Story. I can't you know? wait. I can't we wait. Before you know it, I'm sure. 
we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about episode five of this season called Bloody Mary. But before that, I feel like we have a few things we need to run through first. As always, first of all, uh, we invite you to reach out to us with your thoughts and comments and theories, all that good stuff at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. Or uh, you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. Couple thoughts from Milkmaids, uh, from a variety of different people. First of all, I'll say this episode, Milkmaids ended up being pretty polarizing. There were some people that really liked it, mm-hmm. um, and I think I, I think we kind of anticipated that there would be, you know, some people that like, you know, maybe felt more comfortable in this lane of horror than others. Yeah, and then there was a lot of people who absolutely hated it, and then there was some people who were just making fun of the way we said pustules. No, I didn't. No, yeah, it gets a little. Uh, we get a little. We, we we don't communicate very clearly sometimes when we're on the spot, so apologies. But uh, I think that it was pretty, um, yeah, a pretty, what's what I'm looking for, divisive episode in that regards. Um, and then uh, a couple interesting other insights from people. Um, let's see. From Cy on Facebook, uh, they noted that Seth Gable, who played... Um, the pastor in last week's episode uh, played Cotton Mather in the TV series Salem, um, which I don't know that I have ever seen the TV series Salem, but I haven't watched you know, it either. I'm, I'm familiar with it, but I didn't watch it. I mean, interesting that it was like a similar right. kind of conflicted preacher role in like a, you know, witch. I mean, Salem's obviously related to the witch trials. So maybe that's why they didn't want to make it too much of a witch thing. Right. Uh, it'd be felt or redundant for him. Uh, Angela on Facebook also noted that Seth Gable is not an American Horror Story newcomer. In fact, he played someone in Hotel, uh, someone who visited on The Devil's Night. Do you have any guesses? Uh, Dahmer. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. That's right. Nice. Ha <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then uh, from both Angela and Jennifer on Facebook, they pointed out that there's kind of a parallel from uh, the Milkmaid story that's related to a real incident, um, Mercy Brown, a story from Rhode Island in 1892. Uh, about a tuberculosis outbreak, a tuberculosis outbreak, and it was believed that the dead were rising, so they decided to dig up the the dead and eat their hearts and livers. And you know what? I'm pretty sure we talked about Mercy Brown from last season uh, for Crimson Tide. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I definitely did not bring we I, we didn't bring it up for Milkmaids, but that's interesting. Yeah, and I, a few people also Instagrammed me about that 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 I did that we didn't mention that. So good catch, and yeah, that there are parallels there, and so we can just see that. American Horror Story and American Horror Stories likes to uh, plagiarize itself. <laughs> Absolutely. And then Bryce also pointed out that we should have, um, or actually, sorry, this is for um, moving into the new episode, Bloody Mary, but I thought this was a good one that Bloody Mary as an episode had kind of the most uh, women of color and people of color in a like kind of cast or, you know, continuous scenes of any American Horror Stories or American Horror Story um season thus far so yeah pretty pretty awesome yeah here here shall we dive into bloody mary and before that uh what are you drinking this evening i have a glass of um cabernet red wine classy monday night here what about you i i think i drank one of these uh episode a few weeks back i'm drinking a rec league which is a low abv uh beer from harpoon brewery Mm -hmm. so all right monday night beer It's, it's still a monday yeah Absolutely. Are you ready to take us through the cold open? Oh, Lord. It's a long one, um, but it was really great. I, I really liked it a lot. Let me 
where's my note there's my notes um so yeah our cold open it, i i forgot to check exactly how long it was but i think it was about anywhere between eight to ten minutes which is it's in itself its own short film <laughs> um, but we have a group of four friends um all black young ladies who are um, standing in front of a mirror. They're telling, one of them, uh, Lena, is telling the story of this urban legend. And the urban legend goes, um, well, first of all, the, the, the scene is shot from the perspective of the mirror. So like we're behind the mirror and we're looking at all four of them lined up, and, you know, putting makeup on and fixing up their hair and stuff like that. So I thought it was a really great choice, first of all. Anyway, Lena's telling them a story about the urban legend of Bloody Mary. You hold a candle, you look in the mirror, you say Bloody Mary three times. And she appears and she can see into the depths of your soul. And if she doesn't like what she sees, she'll like scratch your eyes out. Uh, or, she, or she can tell you the future in some form. Um, and the girls are discussing their lives uh, while they're, again, fixing themselves up. One of them is into a guy who she's been friends with or had a crush on or something like that since the second grade. Her name is Maggie, I believe. And then another one is into the new guy from Columbus, Joaquin, who was caught finger banging Susie Jameson in the janitor's closet. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that out loud. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the girls is um, less into the boys and seems kind of smart and corrects one of them. You know, says rabies is not sexually transmitted. This is going to be kind of our main protagon protagonist, and that is Bianca. Uh, and Bianca and um, they're, they're joking that they think maybe um, Bloody Mary can help Bianca find a date or something like that. Anyway, all four gather uh, in front of the mirror and they start to recite Bloody Mary's name. I think they get to almost the third um, uh, name and Bianca turns on the lights. She cuts it short uh, and she like they all kind of are annoyed with her, but in particular, Elise, who we come to find is actually Bianca's sister and brought her to this friend group. Elise says, Bianca, you're embarrassing me. You're a weight that she has to carry around her neck. And Bianca's like, all right, fine. And she takes a shot. And then they uh, resume what their, their, their uh, urban legend, but they do it with a really cool spin. I love this twist. They each go to their own mirror with their own candle they say because they don't want anyone else to uh, hear what their future might be if, if Bloody Mary does appear. But I think it's great. It's a, this is a great setup. I love it. Um, it's spooky. So they all find their own mirror and then they do their uh, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. You know, I'm a, that thing. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> um, and then these cracks appear and Bloody Mary appears. She's in this like red draped dress, like natural, like flowy, curly hair. Um she has a necklace and some kind of like a serpent snake headpiece that rests on her forehead. Her eyes are sort of bluish and like demonic looking. Um, and she's like, she is a black woman as well. Uh, and then she says, to crave knowledge is truly a noble thing. If you obey me, you shall have what you wish. Um, and Bloody Mary grabs Elise by the head and starts like with these long gold fingernails and starts kind of like whispering these demonic vocals into her ear uh, we don't really see what's happening with a lot of the other girls, but they all of a sudden hear screaming and they all dart out of wherever they were and they go to the bathroom and they see Maggie getting her face like clawed off, ripped down by Bloody Mary. But then the lights turn on and she's fine. So it's kind of a something, some, some spooky visualization there. And it's still going. 
Bloody Mary told, they all talk about what Bloody Mary told them. Bianca says that she, if she accuses her guidance counselor of rape, she'll get a full ride to Yale. Lena has was told to drop Anna from the top of the pyramid so she could be cheer captain again. Uh, Maggie has to still River, the guy she's had a crush on since that great, uh, River's girlfriend's nudes and post them online if she wants to be with him. And Elisa wants to be rich, but she stops short of telling everyone what Bloody Mary told her, only that she has to hurt or something like that. And then she's like, you know, never mind. But they all know Bloody Mary is coming for them. Then we cut to Bianca and Elise going home um, to their mom's apartment, uh, who is trying to get laid at the moment. <laughs> uh, so she kicks him out of the house. And her name's they call her Robin. They don't call her mom. Uh, and they sleep in the car, and Bianca says she really does want Yale, and Lisa says she doesn't need Bloody Mary to get into Yale. She's smart as she is. Uh, Bianca says, I just don't want to disappear, and then we kind of cut to a shot of one of the car mirrors um, with Bloody Mary appearing in the mirror, and then we cut to the credits. Ten minutes later. Ooh, yeah. That was one of the longer cold opens I think we ever had. Yep. It was... I, I truly thought it was awesome. There were a few tweaks I probably would have made, but it could have been a standalone, standalone short film if it had ended in a certain other spot. I, and I also want to say, I think all these actresses crushed it. I I enjoyed it as well. A few kind of ads that um, I have in my notes here. First of all, I thought it was fun that we're already taking on another urban legend after having done it with um, Drive, even if Drive didn't turn out. Like, we, I think the one thing we appreciated about Drive is that they att- were attempting to do something kind of um, turning on its head in urban legend. And so that part's fun to be doing it again. And clearly there's, I think, f- like fertile ground for good storytelling there. Uh, as far as the girls go uh, and where the, who our um, actresses are uh, in here, uh, Quivenzene Wallace is the famous Bianca. one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, she's from uh, Beast of the Southern Wild is what I remember her for when she was just little. But I think it's I think Blackish is the show that she was on. Mm-hmm. Since then, she's right? also on Twelve Years a Slave in the film, and I think we talked about this when we talked about the cast. She was also in um, the the one of the remakes of Annie. She played Annie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's she's got a lot of experience. She was Oscar Maybe. nominated, I think, also for Beast of the Beast of the Wild. Oh yeah, she might have been. She might have been. Yeah. Uh, Raven Scott played Elise. Uh, great job. We'll talk oh, about yeah. her. I'm Fantastic. Sure. Kyla Drew is Maggie. Kiana Simone as Lena. And then Dominique Jackson in the mirror is Bloody Mary. And and she's from Pose, um, who mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have pointed out. And was pretty. it was a pretty interesting take on Bloody Mary. I'm, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, a bit. A lot of jokes about uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, with with how she appears to the to the um, I almost said contestants to the four uh, potential victims, <laughs> kind of contestants. Um, I also thought the to your point the not only them being at the different mirrors but the way that was filmed on split screen I thought was very cool. Love it. Yeah. Also, now that you you said it in your review of the cold open, uh, Elise saying the thing about Bianca being like a weight around her neck is something I don't feel like I really caught the first time around and. When you start to look at it in retrospect, you start to kind of see, because if the whole idea is Bloody Mary is that she like shows your true innermost desires, you start to kind of see those things um, in a subtle way sift out more and like at least hints of them, which is kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest themes about this themes uh, in this um, episode is, you know, how far are you willing to go and who are you willing to hurt to get what you want, you know? and. This we can see as a seed getting planted about how desperate um, Elise actually is. Um, 
I jumping forward to the end, I don't know how well it was earned the wet uh, betraying her sister. Um, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. I don't think we saw how, or for me, it wasn't. I didn't get to see as much desperation that she'd be willing to actually like go this go as far as trying to murder her own sister, um, to to get what she wants. I didn't. I didn't sense that level of desperation, <laughs> but. Um, but this is a, this could be seen as the seed getting planted for that type of a, a move at the end. Right. I feel like they definitely were trying to plant the yeah. seed from a storytelling perspective, whether or not that was conveyed enough. We should say the, the, the writer for this um, episode was Angela L. Harvey, who you have. I mean, I know you looked her up, too. She's she did Teen Wolf, which this is I've never watched Teen Wolf, but this seems like right up that alley. Yeah, I've never watched Team Wolf too, but I think she was a staff writer on Team Wolf, so there was a lot of episodes there. And it was also directed by S.J. Main Munoz, who was a 911 Lone Star. Um, there we go, connection. Veteran, yeah. so you know that's the Ryan Murphy connection, of course. Awesome. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about the cold open too, the last thing, is that even though like in the moment, I've of course noted the thing about Elise saying she might have to hurt somebody, it's almost like I immediately forgot it, which I, I mean, I was wondering if, if you remember that all the way through, because I felt like it didn't, uh, it didn't last with me long enough to the point, and we'll get to this when we. Well, actually, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything else. Um, we'll, we'll we'll go back to it uh, when we when we get deeper. Right? Okay. What did you think of the actual credit sequence itself, with like the creepy mirrors and the see through glass and the Ouija boards? Yeah, I liked it. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. This is this is, you know, this is a type of movie that I would, if I saw it on Netflix, I would probably throw it on because I love. Um, urban legends i love teen slashers um i like a spin on an old you know uh or an old urban legend or a trope of you know a supernatural thing coming to get everyone so i, I love this is like a total subgenre of horror that i love the credit sequence that just has the images of it i thought was pretty good because it was stylized it was almost like this cartoon stylized version of um these 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 um, scenes that could take place in the in the universe of the story of what the story is playing that's taking place is happening. So, yeah, the ghost house in the rural area that seemed weird to me at first, but it made sense by the end of it. <laughs> um, the antique mirror vanities that's that that was cool. The bloody hamperts on the mirror window, you know, okay, that's fine. Um, the snakes, the woods, the doors, the owls, yeah, the the cracked mirrors. The Ouija board, I was kind of, I don't know, that that seemed, they didn't really need that, but um, but I, I guess Supernatural. I, so I actually like the Ouija board. Okay. The reason for it is, the Ouija board to me, the connection was like, you think like teen oh, slumber party. Like, yes, there you go. Yep, I like it too. And then the gateway to another realm or a different yeah. world, which is what the mirrors are. So yeah, okay, I take it back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, no, but I really liked it as well. It was one of um, my favorites so far, I think. One, one thing that I noticed in the sound of it also is they use some owl sounds in the opening. You know, the, <laughs> that part, there's like a, hoo, hoo. I was, I was, uh, you know, it's just a little touch like that that I think uh, takes it to the next level as an audio it's person. Like the, I loved it. It's like the start of the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. You hear the door creak. Yeah. It's great. I liked it. Yeah. Well, okay. So diving into the meat of this episode. Uh, we open on high school, which is where a lot of this episode takes place, where Lena immediately gets yelled at by the head cheerleader for not being dressed for Spirit Week. This is, of course, we make the connection immediately, the cheerleader that she um, is being pushed by Bloody Mary to injure. 
so we start to kind of see their boundaries be tested mm-hmm. pretty much immediately. Um, also, uh, coincidentally enough, in class at the moment, I think it's science class, they're talking about the laws of reflection and refraction uh, as far as mirrors go. I mean, it, it, I, it's yeah. obviously quite How convenient. <laughs> How but, convenient, of course, but it felt very like teen slasher. Yeah. Like, of course, it's always way too convenient. Yes. Stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. But I, I liked how the teacher was talking about other cultures thinking mirrors were doors to other worlds and stuff. That was fun. And then uh, flipping over the whiteboard to see that giant mirror there was kind of a surprise. That was crazy. I was like, it was like a crystal clear, perfect mirror. That was wild. And then, yeah, Bloody Mary appearing in the class was kind of wild. I, I'm glad that like Bloody Mary was not too hesitant to show up places. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they're the only ones who see her, uh, and that becomes a consistent thing. It, so I'm gonna just say, mention this now, but like um, often in like RuPaul's Drag Race, and I haven't watched a ton of it. I've just watched episodes here, or there. RuPaul will like appear like in the screen, in the screen, and be like, tell them what you know for this, like today's challenge, you'll be doing this, uh, and she always has this phrase that she says like, and don't fuck it up. <laughs> so in the way that um dominique is like dressed and stuff it took it takes me out of the spookiness of what it is the interpretation of of bloody mary in this um i love the whole backstory that they go into and i love the person the actress who plays uh bloody mary but it's just too clean and like and like there's like a beautiful blue screen behind her it, it was just a little it needs to be like craggly and gross and you know not as not as perfect i i thought what was your first what did what was your first thought first thoughts when you saw bloody mary pop up in, in the tv or on the, sorry in the on the on the whiteboard on the flip side i i get what you're saying about bloody mary being too clean i mean she kind of looks like a badass you know oh yeah <laughs> it's like, yeah it's like i kind of want her to be the protagonist which i guess in some ways she ends up being mm-hmm. you know she's and maybe that's part of it too. Is I guess she's not as scary as she seems on the surface, um, or she is kind. Of, I, I, then again, maybe she is actually. I mean, she's she's a conflicted character. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. too. But I get what you mean. It's like it's almost like you want like a the female version of that guy from uh, Aura, just like looking so like hollowed out and uh, terrifying in the, yeah. in the mirror. It, I mean, another. It is kind of funny that we did just watch Aura too, where it's the same kind of idea where you're like looking at people through kind of this portal into mm-hmm. know, another another dimension, whatever. But uh, the girls retreat to being underneath the bleachers. This is kind of where they they go and congregate. Classic um, to meet up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they basically here are, are in the midst of deciding they need to fulfill their contracts. So Bloody Mary uh, are very worried about being. Killed and then, well, and this is actually when Lena kind of stokes it. By Lena shares a story that people who called Bloody Mary in the past either died or went insane from some story she's heard, and so, uh, you know, and I think I don't remember if it was Bianca or one of the other girls was like, "Well, why did you make us do this?" And she was like, "I didn't think it was real," um, but you know, we now we we hear urban legends kind of like again. That's almost a wink back to milkmaids, where there is like the legend from the town next door, you know, mm-hmm. um, that influences things. Uh, and so we see the girls really starting to consider pretty heavily whether or not they're going to follow through with each of their things. Um, and did we, I don't remember, did we talk about, yeah, you ran through all the different things that, uh, each girl needed to do. And right. so Bianca's in particular was she needed to basically accuse her guidance counselor 
I don't even think it was just a sexual assault. It was like straight up right. rape in order yeah. to get into uh, Yale. Um, and we see them together in the room and like, at first he seems like maybe he's trying to be a nice, helpful guy, but then he starts to kind of be a creep. And I mean, he, first of all, he starts talking about her leaning into her advantage in which he's clearly insinuating the fact that she's black, the fact that she comes from, you know, potentially like, you know, um, a single a household with a single mother, like kind of, you know, things that obviously are very difficult for her. He's kind of like, I don't know, telling her to insinuating she should be like playing that up, obviously, mm-hmm. in kind of a, a gross way when obviously she's having to deal with difficult life circumstances. Um, and then he follows that up with really awkwardly touching her hand, which yeah. I don't think is intended to be sexual, but... But why would um, anyone do that, you know? Right. And so, I mean, I think, you know, what is happening from a storytelling perspective is we're supposed to feel like, well, maybe he deserves, I don't want to say he deserves it, but like maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing if, you know, she did this. But I think she looks in a mirror and sees like a vision of him hanging himself. How I perceived it was him hanging himself by a noose because his life was destroyed. That's what I, that's how I interpreted it too. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like, you know, she's kind of the, the, has the strongest moral backbone of the group or it seems kind of um her and her sister and so she at this point at least isn't going to go through with it um meanwhile in the library i mean elise i feel like in the moment this felt ridiculous but i feel like two things it makes a lot more sense in the end and also i feel like the actress raven scott did a pretty good job of selling it but like she's determined to read up on and figure out how to kill bloody mary which is also i guess a pretty classic horror trope too is like figuring out you're going to be the only one to finally figure out how to yeah the google search yeah how to how to kill the the secret supernatural creature so she's reading up on bloody mary and she kind of comes across this tale of mary worth which we get more details margaret on later. and i margaret worth but i think it's margaret mary i think Mar- mary short for Margaret. yeah mm-hmm. uh, and that's where the bloody mary name comes yeah. from but she was a slave catcher and a murderer. But uh, I looked this one up, and this is there's no, I couldn't find a ton of like really um, like well reported details on this particular person. But there is rumors for the urban legend that this was the inspiration mm. for Bloody Mary. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, all the girls going through their own things. Maggie runs into River, the guy she likes, who uh, in the hall. And I think is initially just trying to, like, win him back in a less, um, you know, I guess, uh, offensive way than posting the nudes of his current girlfriend. Mm-hmm. By just, like, saying how dumb it was to break up. But then his new girlfriend appears. He kind of pretends to, like, not really have been talking to her. And, like, they just seem very close and cozy. Yep. Um, and she kind of turns away and then again, Bloody Mary in the mirror reminding, uh, her what she has to do. So Bloody Mary, she's kind of lingering, um, this constant reminder. And then Lena back in the gym or is this in the gym or not? Maybe it's the locker room, right? Lena gets yelled at again, uh, from the head lead. She wasn't suited up or something or yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you, I, I think we, at least at this point, I kind of, we start to get the sense that maybe Lena's going to be the first one to break. I don't know if that's how you felt too. Yeah. 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 This is, this is a good, you know, this is a good part of the episode where there's a lot of tension and you see, you, you, you sense the conflict with each of the characters and will they go through it? Will they won't go or will they not go through with it? Lena's our first kind of at bat person to see what choices she's going to make. 
Is she going to drop um, Anna from the top of the pyramid so she can, you know, rise to the top of the pyramid herself? Or is she going to not? Okay, because she's also, she has witnessed Anna's, like, broken neck or something like that um, right, in, in one right. of her visions uh, in a mirror. So she she's she has seen that. Um, and they go out there, and her friends are actually in the stands watching and with with, uh, with quite the tense faces uh, on themselves, seeing what she's going to do. And what happens? She doesn't Elise. go through with it. Well, and I, and I mean, you see Elise when she cheers and like gets the other girls cheering too. She's like actively trying to, you know, keep Lena innocent. And this is like backed up by, uh, I think in the scene just before this, Bianca is telling the other girls who are on the brink of like going through what they have to, to like, don't do that. Elise is going to figure this thing out. She's been a mother to me. We get a little bit of that background mm-hmm. on what the situation has been. She's raised her like a daughter. And so um, Bianca has this just kind of unwavering uh, faith in, in yeah. Elise, which makes kind of the ending all that much more brutal. Yeah. But yeah, Lena at the very end, like um, I, for a minute, I thought I was I was anticipating something more gruesome here. Um, and I think I feel like we got an email and I'm sorry I didn't record um, who this one was from. That There was some people like wishing that this episode was maybe perhaps a little bit more gory and gruesome because there was so much potential for it that kind of s- that slipped through our fingers. I don't know if you felt that way at all. Yeah, I did. Um, it, but, you know, and obviously the, the plot of the movie changes how I thought about it or what I wanted when this was happening. But I wanted to see um, the characters of Lena and Maggie uh, getting stopped and like running through the house, having their teen screens through the mirrors or however bloody Mary was going to appear to kill them. Kind of like the ring, perhaps maybe she comes out of the mirror, like, you know, and chases them around the house. Obviously that's not exactly what turns out happening, but you could still build some tension in a chase scene. Um, and a gruesome, bloody gory, uh, aftermath, uh, in, in each of these deaths. And unfortunately, yeah, we didn't get that. I think it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Although I, you know, the reasoning for that does kind of come, together a little bit more in the end in a way that at least surprised me um and we'll talk about that too but you know basically the the theme with all three girls here and and, you know bianca and elise go back home is that elise is really trying to keep especially bianca innocent and not corrupt her um and that's really important to her and you know we're made to believe that's the case because she's raised her like a daughter and you know all this stuff and that's just like how she feels about her as a sister um even though Bianca is like feeling the heat a lot because basically Bloody Mary shows up while Elise is at work and says, you you know, implies you have 24 hours to kind of do what you said you'd do. And well, not do um, what I've asked you to do and accuse the counselor. So even Bianca's trying to question herself here. Um, and so, you know, Elise finds Bianca out on the steps. They're talking and everything. That's when Maggie shows up to reveal that Lena's dead. Her eyes ripped out in the bath. Uh, back at home and um i you know we get a pretty gruesome uh quick shot yeah Mm -hmm. the gruesome shots are just very quick yeah and it's you know lena in the bathtub um didn't think about this at the time the fact that elise was at work at this point Mm. Mm. yeah Mm. you start to make (laughs) these connections in retrospect uh, but, you know, Elise is still doing her hunting. And at this point, we, again, think it's for the purposes of killing Bloody Mary. 
She goes to visit the museum to ask about Mary Worth. Um, this museum curator uh, was kind of a funny guy. He had some lines here, like about Mary Worth. He says she was way more bitch than witch. I I loved it. So also like I this is a fake thing. The uh, well, not necessarily a fake thing, but I have like done a lot of work and research at the State Historical Society of Missouri. This is obviously a little different. Oh, that's right. This takes place in Missouri. Yeah. I need to mention that. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is interesting because um, there, you know, we, they talk about like silver being the perfect reflection or whatever, and there are silver mines, but it, a lot of it's more like lead mines actually in Missouri. Um, but this whole story, like, we don't even get in the beginning, like, you know, St. Louis, Missouri, or wherever they're supposed to be, wherever it's supposed to take place. It doesn't seem like it's the city, city, but anyway, um, I just like that connection yeah yeah he, he's funny uh, yeah, though was, yeah way more bitch than witch that's a great line <laughs> right and then from him is where we get kind of the flashback of just like how uh i guess the cruelty of of mary worth and i mean we don't really see her from her own hand do anything too bad other than like she just leaves people to Lock starve them. and be mm-hmm. tortured i mean she's still a terrible terrible person but we don't see her like in the tradition of you know um uh, Kathy Bates in Coven, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Lollerie, Lollerie. We don't see her torturing or anything like that, but obviously, you know, bad people come in different shapes and sizes and ways. And so, she's a part of this reverse underground railroad, and has been basically, you know, which how the word didn't get out about that, uh, who knows? But I guess they're trying to keep this thing clandestine, right? Um, she secretly saw people back, and the museum in Missouri here happens to have the knife that killed. Mary Worth. Oh, very peculiar, your knife. That is, is that is not of, you know, colonial origin. <laughs> it, but it's, uh, I like that he also, this, this, this like white dude's like, oh, she was found dead, uh, violently stabbed by, by like the wrong one or like the wrong one showed up or something like that, which is such a slang term that, you know, we all some sort of use, but not what I would expect the, um, say historical society guy <laughs> to say. Um, yeah. But he does point out that the knife is of, of either African or Caribbean orange origin. Excuse me. Ugh, I can't talk. Right. And so we're starting to make the connections in our minds about like, ooh, is this Bloody Mary in the mirror the person who killed Mary Worth? Uh, like you start to make those connections a little bit, but you don't get the full picture. I was wondering if we're going to get like a Cajun, you know, since we're talking about the Caribbean, like Papa Legba, like like ooh. connection or something like that. We, we don't, but... Um, no. But because we're always right, we're always searching for the connection to um, American Horror Story. Other other horror, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there could be a coven connection here, possibly. Missed opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Mm -hmm. Uh, in in the library back at school, Maggie is like apparently a pretty gifted hacker from a a class she's taken on coding. I love how that just gets worked in real quick. Oh yeah, those coding classes are uh, um, really paying off. Okay. All right, Maggie. Yeah. And she's able, not only that, like she's able to hack like an iPhone or something like that, you know, something that's got incredible security on it, but she's able to rack, or is it, did they say iCloud? I can't, is it, yeah, I can't remember, but I think it looked more like folders, like like you would have in in a cloud or or your computer. Your yeah. okay, so who knows? It could be Google Drive. It could be so. She, right. Anyway, she's able to somehow hack through her coding class skills, um, and uh, here in school, she's able to find out that Christian, who is the girlfriend, slept with a guy that was not River within the past week. So again, 
Uh, kind of similar to, you know, Bianca with her counselor in the office. It's like, it's almost like they're starting to get tempted with the stuff. It's like, well, maybe these people deserve what's about to happen to them. So she's starting to justify in her head that she should release the photos. Um, and again, at the very last minute, similar to Lena under the cheerleader, uh, Maggie doesn't hit post at the very end. I want to point out at this point when um, Maggie's wrestling with this, Bianca's there, and she is quite unsympathetic uh, to Maggie, who is clearly like seemingly next on the chopping block. <laughs> and Bianca's just like, just wait till um, Elise figures out. She give her till tonight. Uh, she said end end of the day, and and Maggie's like, it's the end of the school day. Like I I'm gonna die if I don't do this. And Bianca just seems kind of dismissive over that point. And their friend is already dead. And she's, they know that I just, Bianca didn't win me any votes here. I, I didn't, I didn't like that interaction. I was feeling bad for Maggie. Who's clearly wrestling with this choice. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because Bianca herself has come so close to doing it. It's like, why is then she pushing so hard for like Maggie and them not to do it? Uh, not to go through with it. And especially, yeah. Dealing with the fact that their friend just died. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but uh, let's see. Yeah, beyond or uh, excuse me, Maggie doesn't post. Um, and then, you know, we, we get a flashback to Elise back at home. Like basically she's got like a Carrie Matheson board here of like all the different elements of <laughs> Bloody Mary. Um, and in this scene, she has kind of a shitty interaction with her mother that like, again, is one of those things that makes more sense at the end. I think she asked her mom like, I, I didn't even write it down. I just put a shitty interaction with her mother, but in the, in the moment, but it was something along the lines of like, do you wish you never had kids or something like that? And I don't, I, the mom answers something along the lines of like, don't ask questions you don't want the answer to, or it's no, or like, it's not worth. Yeah. Like, like, like wishing is a waste of time or something like that. Implying that like she wished she didn't have kids. So yeah. like you, you know, again, I feel like this is supposed to be one of those like little, little things um, that reasons why that pushes Elise to being like, to finally going, all the way through with this. Exactly. Exactly. And so Bianca and uh, Elise go on their little um, museum escapade to steal the knife uh, pretty easily. I, I thought maybe they would get caught, but uh, it happens pretty smoothly. Bianca, uh, by asking about the local Native American tribe, clearly captures this guy's attention long enough for Elise to sneak in and sneak out. It's funny because um, if you listen, and I, I want to go back and actually re-listen to the conversation that he actually has. Because Bianca says to the uh, historical society guy, uh, it's interesting, like, you don't learn about this part in history books. Uh, and which is such the argument for, you know, so many things today, including critical race theory and and um, all the, the, the versions of what we learn based off of who won the wars and what they want you to know, as opposed to from the perspective of the colonizers and, and not the perspective, you know, slaves or the, the whole different journeys and experiences that people have historically but um bianca is kind of being a, a not nice person about it and very like very facetious but but he's he's entertaining the conversation um but he says essentially history is altered by the powerful um and the and the indigenous people they're talking specifically about the osage tribe um are too often like overlooked and misunderstood which is very true because we don't have like in schools we don't learn all their perspectives we learned we learned the story of when you know columbus came totally and, them. I mean, and thanksgiving yeah man it's uh people's history of the united states right there a little yeah. bit of howard's in um 
I would love to go back and re-listen to it because it's happening in the background, so you don't really hear all of it because you're more in, in, engrossed with um, the 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 mission that Elisa is doing, trying to steal the knife. But but I was chuckling at the end because I'm sure there's some funny commentary in there that that the writer worked in. But that's what I have to say. I appreciate about this episode was the subtlety. Absolutely. And, you know, if we yes. compare it to last episode, yes. which felt like a blunt object. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah, there was some subtlety here that was slipped in in a cool way. So they retrieve the knife and uh, they go to find Maggie uh, only to find uh, at this point, And I even wrote in my notes, she's totally dead. Yeah. <laughs> and of course they find the back door unlocked. Um, and that's where they find Maggie with eyes gouged out on the bed. This is where I wrote, I'm bummed we don't get to see the death scenes. Like we just got a flash shot of the bed in her room. And then like a couple minutes later, I was like, ah, okay. There's a reason for this. Yeah. yeah. You notice something. Cause I'm important. like, what a waste. <laughs> Well, and here's where I like clearly I I mean, in my notes reveal that I was totally bought in as they're on their way to Mary Worth's cabin in the woods. I have in my notes. Uh, even so, Elise remains steadfast. Great character. The relationship <laughs> feels authentic. <laughs> oh, you were a hook, line and sinker. <laughs> I was. I wrote that in my notes. So I mean, props to Raven Scott for that, I guess. I mean, yeah, the actress just. Like, I, they were all really great, but she was, you know, and I expect um, Dominique from Pose to be really good. And we know um, Covenjane is great, um, but um, what was her name again? Sorry. Raven Scott. Raven Scott. She she kind of was a standout to me. I was very surprised and impressed. I'm like, who's this girl? She's She should be more stuff. She's great. Yeah, she was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're hiking through woods looking for Maryworth's cabin. Uh, they don't find it till nightfall. It's way deep in the woods, apparently, because, like, it seems like hours have passed. Um, meanwhile, they're, like, freaked out by shards of mirror in the woods and everything as they kind of get there. I like to point out that they, they find their way, not necessarily in the woods, but they find their way to what looks like a soundstage cabin that has some shitty backdrop for, like, woods. It looked like a stage play. I'm sorry, I'm going to be critical about this part. I, I love most of this episode for sure, but when they walked into... It does look like a stage play. It, it totally just, does. And that just really took away for me some of the, you know, creepiness factor. Um, do you remember... Did you watch the new Scream, Scream 2008? It's like Scream 5. Or sorry, 2022. Scream I did 5. not watch it, but I remember you talking about it. Yeah, so at the end, there's a whole reveal of a twist that I won't say because it's still kind of a newish movie. But um, it's a location that we're familiar with, and the it just looks like a soundstage where they built it and put it there. And it just takes away from the authenticity of this location. And I felt the same about this one. I was like, this just looks like a soundstage that has some lighting in the background that someone did for a stage play. Sorry. Every piece has to come together here. You know, it's got to be the acting, yeah. it's got to be the writing, it's got to be the setting and the costumes and things too. Those all play a role, right? It's it's like uh, one of those things. Like, there's five like qualities, but you you can only have three at a time. <laughs> American Horror Stories is like that. You're not going to get all five. You're not going to get great acting, soundstage, or uh, setting, um, writing, writing. Uh, directing, and costumes all in one episode. You're going to get three out of five tops. <laughs> We, I mean, I don't know. I, there's a couple instances. I mean, they're Doll, rarely. Doll, Dollhouse was was pretty absolutely close. very. I, I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was pretty perfect. Um, Bloody Mary appears, and then we almost immediately like notice something's off. I even put in my notes. Uh oh, uh, was Elise asked to kill her sister because we start to like. Yeah, I think she says you brought her here. You brought the stuff here, um, and we realize that or we learn 
excuse me, the Bloody Mary offered Elise, excuse me, safety, security, and power if she sacrifices not only her sister, but the, I think it's a blood of three innocents, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when we get even like more so intense that like she's the one who killed Lena and Maggie. Um, that which, was again. Thing. Oh shit. That was I did I was blindsided by that. And that's why I was gonna ask you is did you see it coming? Because I, I definitely did not. And that's why like uh I mean, call me naive, and I feel very naive and stupid for not seeing it in advance, but man, I was I was totally caught off guard. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I once she said um the blood of three innocents, I first initially thought that maybe um that she went to the bodies after they were murdered by Bloody Mary and like took them. I don't know. I, I don't know. And then I was like, oh, no, 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 Chris, no. <laughs> um, but also, why would you bring the third one to the location and not just kill her in her sleep or something? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I thought the really great piece of this, too, was it wasn't just the blood of three young maidens or whatever. It was the blood of three innocents. And so, like, you realize her whole motivation that Bianca was so steadfast in her about, like, keeping them uncorrupted was for her unselfish purposes. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I mean... And you, you think back to like the kind of powerful moment where she cheers on Lena during the cheer squad and everything. Um, I don't know. It, it recolors all those scenes in a way uh, that I thought was like actually quite clever as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Uh, um, I was kind of curious why she picked her friends, though. Why couldn't she just find, you know, I don't know, people she wasn't connected with? The, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> you know, like, she, I know I'll kill my friends. Maybe she couldn't guarantee their innocence. I don't know. I mean, would animals work? Do they have to be humans? <laughs> I feel like it probably couldn't have been animals. I feel like Buddy Mary <laughs> knew what she was asking for. Um, Elise catches Bianca, knocks her out. She stirs just as Elise is like prepping for the full ritual. Um, but and they basically they, they start fighting, and Bianca ends up killing her sister instead. Right in the eye. Mm-hmm. Right in the eye. And we learn from that, actually, that Bloody Mary doesn't kill anybody. All she does is reflect what's in people's souls. So the main, like, question there is, like, what were they seeing when they saw, like, that vision of Bloody Mary killing Maggie at the very beginning in the cold open? Is that just, like, Bloody Mary being creepy? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's just their, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we also, um, you start to put together if, like, that was what's in Elise's soul. She kind of kept it under wraps, but then you kind of go back to the, you know, Sisters the weight over around her shoulders and the comment about the mom and all that kind of stuff starts to, to really add up there. I mean, um, does it add up? I mean, it, 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 you know, I guess the work was sort of done, but it, it didn't, it still doesn't equate to the giant betrayal of this to me. No. Okay. That's, I, I'm saying it adds, it ad, like. She was going to get money, the, fame and power and she's going to kill her sister and her friends. Like, I know she was working her ass off, but I didn't sense that she would like destroy like the one good person in her life her sister at least i don't know oh uh, but she did say she like you're a weight i don't know i uh, she, yeah maybe she doesn't like her sister as much as she she uh acts like she does so yeah it's all, it's all an act i don't know uh but at the very end here's when we get again uh the story of bloody mary's imprisonment we see you know the flashback where her son gets stolen for her, um and she like looks into a mirror and calls on a, a goddess to uh, an ancient goddess to help her kill the slave catchers in Maryworth. Uh, and and all that happens, but what she gets punished for is killing basically this slave girl that was working for Maryworth who'd kind of been brainwashed and manipulated by Maryworth. Mm-hmm. And that sullied her soul, which is how she got imprisoned. Um, so Bloody Mary tells Bianca that Bianca has a pure heart. Um, and 
basically if Bianca gives her and her I, this is where like, yeah if, if she, she cut her, her own hand like, and like a goblet of, yeah. of blood then she's also be free Elise, you didn't have to kill them you could just like hey can you use your slice their hand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when we um just go to the blood switched. bank and follow people around that look innocent and just grab them and this is where we get like the switching of, of places no it's it's yeah. all good <laughs> this is because i like this episode so much that i'm like trying to find ways to like better it you know yeah, I, yeah. I really like it and I don't think the end was perfect. Um, no. Bianca becomes the new Bloody Mary in the end. Uh, and she hears like all these dozens of people saying Bloody Mary, which is kind of cool. I liked any yeah. of that part. And then finally we jump to a candle being lit. A young girl says Bloody Mary three times. And I'll say before this, that Bloody Mary tells Bianca that like, you don't have to be an evil Bloody Mary. You could be a good Bloody Mary. And then of course, uh, Bianca version of Bloody Mary appears to the girl and they do cut it off before we know whether or not she decided to be good or evil, which I mm-hmm. did think was kind of fun. So that was... Yeah, I think we could have stopped with the voices saying Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, and just leave it at that. I always feel in all of these episodes that they they go one scene too far, you know? Yeah, just a little bit too long, yeah. Let's stop at the one spot and leave it where it is and leave it a little more ambiguous. Um, like, I didn't need to see... <laughs> also, it's like... Sorry, this is another critique. But, like, the sound effects when she's, like, knocking on the window or the mirror because she's stuck in there now when they switch places and, and Bloody Mary's free. It was, like, it was, like, a, it was so cheesy. It was so bad. Um, but I would have preferred it to stop with her just hearing all the Bloody Mary voices and, like, trying to, like, kind of, like, slowly going kind of cuckoo, you know, as opposed to, like, her appearing to some girl and being in the whole garb and I don't yeah. know. I didn't need that. I was trying to think also back to other other horror movies that do like this kind of through the looking glass thing where people switch places. Um, the ones that uh, come most to mind. Uh, what is uh, what's the one with? Um, oh no, I'm gonna. It's gonna take me a minute. It, it starts with an I. Um, it's like the old lady, the creepy old lady, and there's like an underworld. Um, it has it has the same. I'm going to have to look this up for a minute. Okay. Um, While you do that, I'll talk about something else. Well, I was going to say also, isn't us the Jordan Peele movie? Isn't, don't they also have like a switching of like someone? Yeah. There's like two different mirror worlds. So yeah, there's like an underground mirror world type situation where there are duplicates of the people above who try to replace them. Um, That was a good movie. Um, I think one Insidious. Oh, Insidious. Oh, my God, yes. That movie is mm-hmm. so scary. Mm-hmm. That is such a scary movie. I was going to say, like, Encanto. Oh, no. <laughs> um, that's, what, that's with an E. Uh, yeah, Insidious is a fantastic movie, and the score to that is so unnerving. Like, ugh, mm-hmm. it's great. Um, so I think we saw Bloody Mary too many times. Oh, I'm, I'm going I'm to get my review. Do it. Uh, what are we going to rate it? Yes. Um Blood, uh, goblets of the blood of innocence, um, mm. daggers, um, bloody marys, bloody marys. Hey, <laughs> um, I so a, a few notes first. One, I think we saw Bloody Mary too often, actually, and like I, my critique was obviously it was like too clean, too like polished. I need to see like a dusty uh, Bloody Mary who's a little craggly and disheveled and worn. Um, this was like RuPaul's Drag Race type of a like glamour Bloody Mary, which is cool and it's an interpretation, and a, a lot of people probably like that, and a lot of people did like it. Um, I 
want the creepy factor a little bit more than the than the camp factor in that because I think this does serve enough camp serve. <laughs> I'm talking like RuPaul. Um, I also there was one scene that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to read uh, address because I liked it a lot was when um, Elise goes to work and she puts the sheet over the mirror where in the room where Bianca sleeps and Bianca's sleeping and the sheet is covered and you hear the tap 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 of a fingernail like on the on the glass yeah. uh, and then the sheet falls down oh my god that was I thought that was really good that that's a perfect like just atmospheric scene that is spooky and scary um but then again then the reflection is like too clean it's too and it was a little too like costumey kind of like a like a show yeah um i love the uh historical society association section i thought that was kind of fun um campy and silly and just hits the right notes i also love um all the acting in it i thought it was fantastic my version of the ending would have gone that Elise gets trapped in as Bloody Mary, thinking she's going to get free, but she actually got played, and she killed her sister to get to it, so we would lose Bianca still. Um, but Elise would be the one that gets stuck in the mirror, and just, like, having gone through all that and not... And, like, having power, so to say, and uh, uh, security because she's has this... Like she has, she's you know supernatural for life now. Um, it's kind of a spin that it would make a little more devastating than Bianca getting stuck in there. Bianca getting stuck in there is kind of like, okay, you know that that does suck. But I think if you saw Elise go through killing her sister and then she gets stuck in there, then that's just a more tragic story. It's all tragic no matter what. But anyway, I give this three point seven five Bloody Marys out of five. I was between Solid three and a half and four, and I was going to talk to you about it, and I landed in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. I really like. I really liked it though. I really, really did like this. This is one I would throw on again for sure. Uh, especially a strong bounce back after driving, and even milkmaids, even milkmaids, which was yeah. slightly better. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a tier above. Um, yes, maybe. I mean, we'd have to debate as good as. I don't think. I don't think quite as good as Ara, uh, but close, and not quite as good as Scott Dollhouse. But I think it was. It yeah. was definitely in the upper tier of any American Horror Stories episode we've gotten so far. Um, again, I was totally like bought in on the um, on the twist at the end. Uh, I thought Raven Scott did an especially terrific job. I enjoyed like thinking through kind of the little um, you know bread breadcrumb trail that was left for us in like talking through it previously was enjoyable. Um, I have to say that uh, first of all, I I thought. Um, Convention A. Wallace, who, who played Bianca, was a little one note for me. Um, yeah, I, I actually agree. thought that Raven Scott was was the stronger actress. The I mean, she's she's older, but um, did did a better job there. Um, and because I don't know, her emotions fly all over the place to like wanting to do the thing, but then fully believing her sister, and it to the point where it just felt um, like she was flip flopping back and forth a little a little much. Um, so I didn't. That was. I feel like uh, if there was, if I'm critiquing anything, that was among there. And then, yeah, the ending, I I felt like we spent, I feel like I wanted to like end closer to, you know, beyond or uh, Elise's betrayal rather than kind of at, at this point getting the the backstory of Bloody Mary. Um, I don't know, it just felt like the, there was a the third bit too act much was a little time. the weakest. 
I, I mean, aside from for me, like from learning the, the twist, twist, I feel like after the twist was revealed, I, I, it kind I of feel fell like, apart a little bit. Yeah, I mean, after the twist, I was yeah. a little bit um, not quite as. It felt a little bit more tropey, um, and to your point too. Like I don't know, I feel like there could have been something more to Bianca being sucked into the mirror. It just felt too easy. Um, and to uh, that part felt a little bit too cliche to me. Like I felt there needed to be more to it. I don't know if Bloody Mary needed to have a better reason. Um, yeah. or, or maybe Bloody Mary, you know, what would have been may, maybe in my version of the end is okay. Bloody Mary goes through the thing. She pulls Bianca and she doesn't say anything to Bianca about like needing to be a good Bloody Mary. Then if we go through that, that final scene, and that little girl summons Bloody Mary. Maybe she is a nice Bloody Mary and it's kind of like a little bit of a, Hey girl. She decides to be, yeah, maybe she decides to be good in the end. It's not really yeah. horror at that point. You don't but need like, me. You can get into your fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe that's corny, but I just felt like it was, I don't know. The, the, again, to me, it was, it was, it was, it was strong, not fantastic. Yeah. Um, to which I think I'm, I think I'm going to give it four, four Bloody Marys. Ugh, I, think I was, was just going to change mine to four too. I'm changing mine to four too. Sorry. I'm not copying you, but like talking about it, hearing your review, it really was pretty good. It, it had some, you know, again, we only talk about ones this long if we other, you know, we really liked it because there's like a ton to talk about and how to make it better. Or if we really hated it, <laughs> <laughs> I really did like it. Okay. So I, I changed mine to four Bloody Marys also. Sorry. Eight Bloody Marys. Well, that's, that's a good one. Bloody Mary almost three times. I, th- yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, I would I would implore um, um, Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk to hire to rehire Angela Har- L. Harvey again as as a writer because her concept here is pretty cool and yeah. it was different and I liked it and the twist worked. Um, so let's give I, her another urban legend, right? Yeah, yeah. Huge fan <laughs> and great great choice. To do it from the black lens. Mm-hmm. It was great. Loved, loved everything about it. Um, well, not everything, but I loved a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, where can people find you between now and next week? Twitter and Instagram. At Chris, you said Chris with a K. How about you, Tyler? I'm kind of on those platforms sometimes, too. <laughs> TJ Moss 11. Uh, as always, you can email us at uh, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com or you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. Thank you so much. Uh, for joining us and until next week happy hauntings